Hello, podcast people and Periscope people. Welcome back to The Gab Smacks. It has been a lovely day and the day has been lovely pretty much. I had to go outside for 45 minutes, so you may notice a difference. I do apologize in advance to anyone who gets triggered by a tan. Hello, we've got zero people here. And on our podcast, we've had what? A total of a couple of thousand? No, 1,000 and something plays, which is pretty cool. And today I decided, ladies and gentlemen, to talk about something that I know nothing about, uh, which means that I'm basically talking about the same type of thing because I don't know anything about anything. All toes matter. That's fantastic. All right. So I have three different locations here that I'm going to look at about Australia Day. Always the best policy. Absolutely. I have almost zero understanding, except for a couple of things I will tell you. Number one, Australia Day, we get a public holiday. Number two, where I grew up, nobody celebrated Australia Day. Platinum Mimi, my beloved. But where I went to school was different. I went to school in a private school that was pretty big about the Australia Day thing. And so I do remember primetime TV as a kid in the 80s with lots of, what do you call it? Uh, what's, what was I going to say? Uh, people marching from the military. Hello. So that's all I have. So I decided there are some preconceived notions. And I have heard one person's opinion or two people's opinion. One is Michael Louds, who calls it Invasion Day. And the second one is the uh, somebody who told me yesterday, who is a first generation Australian, who considers it a day of remembering uh, the registering of a colony on what they call Terra Nullius which basically translates, I think, to vacant land. So, of course, we come in with preconceived biases, but I thought this would be the best way to analyze how we think as opposed to the conclusions we arrive at. So I decided to pick three websites. The first one is australiaday.org.au. The second one will be Wikipedia, which will have references and opinions, so we want to separate both, Boss Briggs. And then thirdly, I have an email from Pauline Hansen about Australia Day. Now, for those of you who don't know, Pauline Hansen is someone that <laughs> uh, the, uh, I don't know how to best put it, maybe, I guess, analogous to Donald Trump in the US, maybe. And I thought that would be a good email to look at because considering I'm completely not on that side, it would be good to see that perspective. So as to avoid lapsing into something called majoritarianism. Now, if anyone's heard of that, majoritarianism can actually destroy the majority. This is a term, I believe, coined by somebody I tweeted today. If you go to the Wall Street Journal, hey, Jibrail, that's me, Ben Muammar. Ben Muammar, how could you leave Ron Scope to come here to look at some random dude who doesn't know what he's talking about? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let us continue, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so what Australia Day is about, according to australiaday.org, okay? It's for all Australians, no matter our personal stories, reflect on us being Australian, celebrate contemporary Australia, and recognize our history. What? And Wayne, ya akhi al-Aziz. Ah, he's asking me where I'm from. Ah, Wall Street Journal. I am from Sydney, my good friend. All right, so... Uh, the Wall Street Journal, there was an article in there which I tweeted at an autist. You can go see it there. 
And of course, you normally have to pay for them. But luckily enough, I had a free version sent to me for this once only, you know, they do the once only thing. And it was talking about something called majoritarianism and the subtle difference. And yet, ah, you have it very cool. Um, what's this? Uh, la yur arbik. You Arabic. Oh, no, you're Arabic. <laughs> um, the reason I'm laughing at that comment is because he wrote it in English, but using Arabic script. So when you read it, I hear my dad speaking. <laughs> you were speaking your Arabish. This guy's hard work. All right, I'm just going to um, pause chats for a sec and I will just get this thought out because I do have people on our podcast at anchor.fm forward slash gabsmacked and iTunes and all that. Hmm. All right, Wall Street Journal. So what he was talking about was that a subtle difference between democracy and majoritarianism. And there is a something called the transmogrification, which is a very comedic and grotesque metamorphosis from one thing into the other. And it can happen so quickly that you don't realize. So when you move from democracy, which is a representation of all the eclectic, uh, say, uh, construct that exists wherever it is, whether it's the US, France, etc., then you are representing each person's views where people can either compromise or not, but at least their voices are heard. Or if you, that's different to becoming the majority and therefore steamrolling the minority. And that's what happened in France, which of course led to the rise of the yellow vest. And that was what was happening in America, which led to the rise of the minority, which uh, ended up voting for Trump. And obviously Trump took advantage of that um, defense against majoritarianism. And that delicate and precarious balance is something that we in the West, of course, haven't really foreseen, or most of us have not. When I say most of us, of course, I'm not referring to me, but I use the word us to make myself appear just a little bit more humble. Did it work? <laughs> it probably worked until I explained it. All right. So the reason I bring up Australia Day, there are different ideas of Australia Day. Michael Loud said Invasion Day, for example, and that's not good. Or, I'm, not, I'm not assigning moral judgment to this. It's just interesting the narratives we apply to the same observations. So this one says it's where our stories have began to reflect on being Australian and recognize our history. That on its face sounds fine to me. So I, I have no preconceived notion about that at the moment. Now, let's go to um, about Australia Day. Okay, so we celebrate all the things we love about Australia, the sense of a fair go, uh, lifestyle, democracy, the freedoms we enjoy, but particularly our people. It's about acknowledging, okay, that every Australian, what they make to our contemporary and dynamic nation, all the way from our native Australians who have been here for more than 65,000 years, to those who've been here for generations, and those, like some of us who are first generation or second generation migrants, okay. So it's, a tw it's an important date being the 26th of January. Now, some people are going to put, bring some comments on Periscope because there are some issues with that specific date that clearly some people have. And this is one of the first times I'm talking about Australian politics. Now, for those of you who don't know, I always promised that I would talk about Australian politics one day. And the reason I couldn't in the past was because it was too personal. Growing up with very distinct and contrasting memories which easily bypass my logic and logical brain and go straight to the emotional have led me to become quite irate in the past. And I thought for the first time today, after many, many, many weeks of training, we are going to talk about it in the most impartial way possible. Obviously, we have preconceived biases that you can't get rid of those, but we try to acknowledge them and work around them. 
Okay. So it's starting as a celebration for emancipated convicts. That's interesting. It uses the word emancipation. Now, emancipation of convicts is emancipation of slavery. Now, for those of you who don't know, they were white slaves. Um, and when I say they were white slaves, uh, they were slaves in the sense that they ha had no uh, sense of autonomy, ownership, civil rights, etc. But how they were treated may or may not have been worse than other slaves around the world in various countries. I'm not making a comparison between uh, different slaves in uh, human history all the way around the world from the original Assyrian Empire to the American um, uh, Revolution. So uh, it recognizes the nation's diverse people. It, it says Australia Day continues to be hugely popular. Three in four Australians believing it has a bigger meaning beyond just a day off. So Australia Day is where one in four Aussies don't believe in Australia Day. That's interesting. It says three in four Australians believing it has a bigger meaning than being beyond just a day off. So that's, that's quite vague because that just means that out of the three that are left, they, they might care about it just enough more. Or that's what they said to the person asking the survey. We don't know this far. So this, I'm just analyzing this as much as I can as we go. And then I'll look at chats in a sec. I'm, I'm 12 chats behind. More than half of all Australians participate in Australia Day attending events organized by state governments, local councils, communities, blah, blah, blah. In addition, over 16,000 new Australians become citizens on Australia Day. So interesting stuff. So now let's look at some statistics that they're putting forward. And here is a photo that they're showing of, oh no, that's an advertisement. So that's not, okay. So 13 million participate in specific Australia Day celebrations each year. I don't know what that entails. It could mean specific celebrations only to do with Australia Day or celebrations that happen to be on because Australia Day is on. So it's concurrent and people have a day off. So they take out their families. You don't know which one that is. Of course, this is scientific analysis as much as I can. Other people are going to shoot through things I didn't think of, of course, uh, three more stats. And then we'll look at the questions. 75% of Australians believe the day should be a time should be a time to recognize and celebrate the country's cultural diversity. Interesting. So should has sort of that. That's a, that's what I call a moral injunction. Should is what you would find in religious texts. Uh, and we use it, of course, with parent-child relationships and where we try to, there's a sensation when someone tells you should that they want to e-recognize part of your autonomy. Now, half give thought to how lucky we are to live in Australia. Wow. Half the country believes in itself. The next one, 46% celebrate the freedom we have living in Australia. Less than half of Australians celebrate the freedom we have in Australia. Now, I mean, you don't know how accurate these statistics are, but now let's look at the questions and points. All right, this guy's hard work. I will, I start post WSJ again. Ah, oh, cool. I use that term to push a narrative. Yes, I, it's very cool that you know that you do that, Michael Ad. It's very, very, uh, I mean, it's not surprising, but it's awesome to other people who do that without knowing they do that. Um, and for those on the podcast, I'm referring to when Michael Ad calls it invasion day. That's like we said, as I said earlier, it's describing a narrative using the same observations. Narrative doesn't mean it's true. Narrative means it's a way of trying to negotiate observations. Yeah, not the date. So, okay. So the contentious issue, according to Michael Loud, is about the date, not the celebration. Is it true that Australians don't like Americans? I don't know. Um, I know that me, when I grew up, I was not a fan of America or Americans because of the foreign policy that my family in the Middle East was subjected to. But... 
I have a much more nuanced view now and I don't conflate American foreign policy with American people, um, even though there's, of course, some specific overlap. And at the same time, we have to remember that without America, Australia wouldn't be here because Indonesia would. So it's, and then if America wasn't here, there might have been Russia or China or who knows. Who knows what would have happened in another way. Federal government is trying to afford citizenship ceremonies to be held on the 26th of January. Interesting. We'll have to. Do you have any quotes for that you can send to Twitter? Because then we can, you love Australia, to not get triggered. <laughs> Americans are happy. Hello, hi, Angel, because they're not getting triggered on this topic. So that's what we have thus far. And that's from the main site and if we look at education just to have a look Aussie of the month okay let's go back to reconciliation all right we're looking at reconciliation now our first peoples are the traditional custodians of our beautiful lands and waterways and have a fundamental role in the great Australian story uh, we aspire to an Australia there that can increasingly include a recognition and celebration by all Australians of the importance of it's called here Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders to our nation. So I, I, I call that Native Australians. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but we'll go with it until someone tells me otherwise. All right. So um, it's called Australia Day. It says January 26 has multiple meanings. Now, let's see if any of these meanings um, include the meaning that Michael Lau just brought up. The first one is it's called Australia Day for some and for other Survival Day. Um Indigenous Australians have mixed feelings about celebrating this day. Some consider it a day of mourning. I would consider it a day of mourning if, if, if someone came into my land, I guess, and said, hey, by the way, there's no one here. <laughs> um, I laugh, but it's a nervous laugh because I don't really know this topic very well. Uh, some consider it a day of mourning, ongoing traditions, uh, or others use it as a day to mark the survival of their ongoing traditions and cultures. Now, my brain... This is one of the things that my brain will naturally do, which I'm telling you now. It, I ask myself, what is the question I'm not asking? And normally it's somewhere to do with the opposite of what I'm reading. So if it talks about marking the survival of their traditions, the opposite would be what happened if uh, the British didn't come to Australia? Well, would Australia still be this large continent that no one else would have taken over, apart from, of course, the Afghans who came here and... I, I don't believe they took over. They just had trade routes uh, that uh, worked from the southern part of Australia all the way north back up to Asia to go back to Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I don't know if the, the complete story about that. So, okay, it's important that these views are respected and that collectively we have constructive conversations about this history and seek ways to move forward together as a nation. So it hasn't brought up the change of date. Interesting, Michael Loud brought that up. Our National Day provides opportunity to acknowledge and learn our nation's past, time to reflect Learn about our national journey, ongoing history, tradition, cultures, Aboriginal topics. Okay, good. So that's that's mostly what we've got from the Australia.org. Let's look at the chats. First Nations is a good term. First Nations. Okay. You cannot call yourself Hawaiian even if you are born here in Hawaii. Wow. Interesting. Mass immigration. Okay. British colonists were responsible for massacres of First Nations people in frontier wars. All right. Cool bananas. I don't know what frontier wars are. I'm going to have to look that up. So it's just terrible. This is absolutely terrible. Um, it's sort of good that I don't know enough about it because then I don't really get too emotionally evolved. I can try and keep my scientific brain in this horse race for as long as possible. All right, here we go. Now, now let us look at what I saved on uh, Wikipedia. Um, all right, let's have a look here. Australia Day, Wikipedia. 
All right, it marks the anniversary of the 1788 arrival of the first fleets of British ships at Port Jackson, New South Wales, and the raising of the flag of Great Britain at Sydney Cove. All right, I can now understand why Michael Loud would suggest that the date could be contentious because it is celebrating. All right, now I can see. Now I can see what's going on. Um, I see a new level of what's going on. So what the other website described as Australia Day was different to what happened on the date in 1788. So the date was almost sort of the uh, the, the setting up of a conquering nation. Or, uh, well, it could be seen that way, I guess, in hindsight, um, even though it has, according to the other side, been described more to do with a frame of mind and how we see ourselves as people. Um, the meaning and significance has evolved over time. Okay. Um, anniversary day or foundation day, apparently it's been called that. Um, okay, so it was not called Australia Day until 1808, even though Australian, Australia was not federated until 1901. So there you go. A National Day of Unity and Celebration. It was not until 1935 that all Australian states and territory adopted the use of Australia Day. And not until 1994 that it became a public holiday in all of the states of Australia. Interesting. Okay, now we have Indigenous Australian events um, being included. However, since at least 1938, Australia Day has also been marked by Indigenous Australians as a day of mourning, as they call it Invasion Day by the Europeans, and protesting its celebration as a national holiday. All right, I'm going to stop there. If the Indigenous Australians or enough Indigenous Australians or any, even if it was one, I don't know. But if one Indigenous Australian person, Indigenous Australian human being, says that they see it as a day of mourning or a day of invasion, my question to everybody here is: Is that enough of a reason to change the date? Yes or no? I, I, I completely have no view on this. I don't know. Um, I wish I could have some Indigenous um, Australians on here. It's an inappropriate date. Public holiday was made in 1994. There you go. So now I'm learning a lot interesting to see people's points. So my question again is, even if one, and this is analogous to obviously many of the countries that um, our, you know, colonialist ancestors, either through adoption or genetics, um, have experienced, I guess, that's one way to look at it. Is it true, would you say? Is I don't know. I mean, I, I see this, there's, a, there's an analogous issue to what happened in, of course, in my father's country where, uh you know, the, the country was Arabized against the will of the natives. And, you know, I obviously want, that's one of the reasons I'm still learning the ancient language of Syriac, which was the language of my ancestors up until very recently. Liran is here. Hey, and we, I just saw someone, Yukon camper and the clown. Good to see you guys. All right. So the question now, let's have a look. Let's have a look at the survey. Hey, hey. All right. 26% uh, of the total population supports changing the date. 26% support changing the date. Most Indigenous Australians want a date name change. Only 20... Wow. So here we go. 26% of the total Australian population supports a date change. However, however, 77% of the Indigenous population wants a date change. What do you guys think of that? If 77% of the Indigenous population wants the date to be changed... Does that mean that um, 
even though that only represents in total 26% of the Australian population, well, the total, the total population of a whole says 26%. How does democracy work there? I'm very interested to see people's thoughts on that. 800 years of <laughs> Muslim invaders. Yeah, various, uh, various uh, flavors. The majority shouldn't always rule on matters of morality. Interesting. And we were just talking about this on my Twitter account. As I said, majoritarianism is an enforcing of one view of morality, which date I'm lost. Um, slave trade. Yeah, that's true. It happened. Uh, unfortunately, it happened quite a fair bit. Um, yeah, uh, Middle East, uh, crazy. I know a lot about that, that part of the world, but without going to that point, for, so for those, of you, those of you that have joined, we're currently on our podcast, anchor.fm forward slash Gapsmacked, and we are here at Patreon. Podcast will probably go on YouTube later in a few hours, and Australia Day is coming up, the 26th of January. Now, that sounds like a Sunday because, no, hold on a sec, it should be a Saturday because the 28th should be a Monday because it's a multiple of seven. I should be correct on that. Now, the public holiday is on the Monday. The majority of world. All right. So it was the beginning. It marks physically, it marks many different things uh, in terms of what we've just read. But in terms of the actual initial event, the incipience of this was the setting up of the Union Jack, or in other words, the British flag of imperialism on a land which they had labeled as terra nullius, terra meaning earth, and nullius meaning nil or zero or vacant, so vacant land. And I said, whoa, whoa no one's here, Psh, let's take it. And uh, that's uh, what happened. And the question that we're asking right now is if in our democracy only 26% of Australian population supports changing the date, but 77% of the indigenous population wants to change the date, should we then acknowledge the fact that the indigenous Australians, even if as a total are a minority in the country, should we then respect the wishes of the, the majority of that minority and change the date? And the, there's a difference between moral and whether it overrides democratic rule of the country. Now, what do I mean? Now, I'm going to give you my personal bias is that morally, I would say yes, because now it sort of feels like I'm dancing on the graves of our native ancestors based upon what I've just been reading. And that's just my feeling. It's not, that's not fact. That's not proof. I don't know the full history. Obviously I'm speaking from like 99% naivety. Um, but that's different to enacting the morality via a democratic means. I'll tell you why. And then you guys can say your comments. I'll look at the chats. If we as a society, decide that, yes, we agree with the minority on this particular position because of their identity, right? Even though I happen to agree in this particular point, the idea of agreeing with a minority because of their identity could backfire in the future. And I'm just playing devil's advocate here because what's going to happen in the future when there's an issue with respect to some other identity? Do we then say that only people of a certain identity um, are the ones who carry most of the sway in a specific topic? And then how do we decide which topics include more of a sway from each respective identity? What do you guys think of that? Let's have a look at what people say. Mob rule isn't fair because popular opinions can be misinformed. Absolutely. 
Muslims did the same thing. Many different types of Muslims did the same thing, and some still do in Mauritania, etc. Yes, um, First Nations people were classified as fauna until 1967. Wow. So I believe fauna is like uh, uh, animals. So they were classed as animals till 1967. Wow. I, I had no idea. Changing the date into what? I, I actually don't know. So I actually know less than probably almost anyone on the scope. I'm learning it with you, That's, which is quite. But this is what happens when you grow up in a Middle Eastern section in Australia. You actually don't know anything about the host country in terms of its history. It's very sad. A good start would be the removal of the Union Jack from the flag. Interesting. Their population has been reduced by the actions of the invaders. Interesting. Indigenous lives and suffering are not even recognized in the first place. Let's start with that. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. All right, so that's everyone's view on that. They're all very interesting points. I think that they all make perfect sense. So therefore, I am either falling into confirmation bias or we're right. And it's hard to know until you read criticisms. So speaking of criticisms, let's go into the criticisms of these points. And these points, I think, are criticisms of Australian Australia Day being celebrated on the 26th. In other words, criticisms of the criticisms. Let's have a look here. It doesn't seem to... Controversies and issues. Okay. So, uh, it's a symbol of the adverse impacts of British settlement on Australia's indigenous peoples. That's what some Australians believe, and Peru, of course. That's with the, the Spanish... Uh, yep, yeah, so the... And the conquistadors. Okay, the celebration of the Aboriginal Day of Mourning. Okay. Alaska, okay. 1988... It was a large group of Indigenous Australians celebrating Invasion Day, commemorating, marking the loss of Indigenous culture. Now, I've actually heard white nationalists say, if it wasn't us, it would have been Indonesia, and they wouldn't have been as kind to you. I've actually heard that argument, right? Uh, and I, I, it sounds, well, it sounds pretty brutal. I, I'd, I'd love to see if anyone can expand on that. Um, America still celebrates Columbus Day and Indian Natives doesn't want this figure to be celebrated. Interesting. So that would be analogous. Yeah, that would be an analogous um, issue. All right. National Indigenous Television chose the name Survival Day. It acknowledges the mixed nature of the day and recognizes the invasion, but doesn't allow uh, it to be completely adversely framed, or the Dutch, or the Dutch in South Africa. Yeah, absolutely, and, and other places. All right. So what have we got here? Uh, Wagon Magul Ceremony which honors the past and celebrates the present. Interesting. Um, Council of Yarra District in Melbourne resolved unanimously that it would no longer refer to 26th of January as Australia Day. Wow. Um, did Australian make the country what it is today? That's also interesting. Are we talking about the Australian land or the Australian idea? That's quite interesting too. So should those who depend on US government food start because of government shutdown? That's poor non-existence. Uh, well, that's that's the yellow vest issue. The yellow vest issue to me is is related to this type of majoritarianism. Let's roll over the minority simply because they're the minority, um, which I think is missing the essence of democracy here. So, all right. Um, interesting stuff. So now that in uh, as of August 2017, so a year and four months ago, it will no longer call it and it will it would cease to hold citizenship ceremonies on that day. All right. So it turns out, I've heard this before, actually, that Australia Day is a day where about 16,000 either people or families uh, become Australian citizens. And considering the perspective of Survival Day, 
now I can understand why someone would be upset with that. That's like saying, hey, uh, this is the day you guys, you had your world destroyed, like, you know, potentially. I don't know. Obviously, I'm talking out of ignorance here. I don't know the full story and what happened. And now we're going to add even more people to the Australian idea. So I can see how that would be a problem. Okay. Wow. Okay. As of the 13th of January, here, this one, as of the 13th of January, our current Prime Minister announced that effective from Australia Day 2020, all local councils will be forced to hold citizenship ceremonies on and only on the 26th of January and 17th of September. And there will also be a dress code banning flip-flops or thongs, what we call them thongs, and board shorts. Interesting stuff. Let's see what people say to that. Happiness, happen, land, cultural Marxism. Interesting. Federal government is trying to push back against local councils changing their day. Interesting. If the natives had had have taken up the gun and bomb, they would get a better hearing now. You know, it's 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 sad, but that's sort of true, yeah? Survival wasn't too hot before either. Are you a hipster? I don't even know what that is. So if I am, it's by accident. Um, all right. So submitted suggested changes to the date. Uh, let's have a look at what people are saying. 2004. So this has been contentious. Okay. Uh, European settlement. Um, okay. News poll in 2004 found that should there be a day that... Australia Day celebrated on that is not associated with European settlement. 79% said, keep it the way it is. Wow. Okay. So that clearly, you know, we now have to hypothesize why there is such a discrepancy between, um, say, the indigenous population and it's almost exactly the opposite. It's like the indigenous population is about 77% wanting to change the day. And the non-indigenous population is somewhere around the 60 or 70, probably 80% as well. I'm not actually sure because this poll is a bit skewed. Because um, they're not, they don't, they don't include how many of those people uh, were of whatever background when they asked the thing. So, okay. So they've asked for different days. Okay. So that's what we got thus far. Now I decided what I want to do is actually read something from Pauline Hansen from One Nation. They can. That's interesting. If a tiny minority wants to celebrate their own day, they can. Difference in culture and how question was asked, also a very good point. So Brett came up with an interesting type of suggestion, which is more of a software-style solution, which is more of a scientific-style solution coming from the physicist. There is an A-B testing type of way that software engineers do things, and that is where non-indigenous don't even exist. It's interesting, like, I'll get back to that in a second, because that's a very, that's a fascinating point as well. But with what Brett Harris said, what do people think of the idea of having different subcultures celebrating certain days when they feel like it um, as a test and then seeing which days people prefer? My thoughts on that is that I like the idea in theory, but I can imagine that there would be some sort of cultural fragmentation if that occurs. And so for cultural cohesiveness, I would say it's actually is, it actually is the, the, major, the majority, the minority, if the minority cannot celebrate it on a certain day, 
then I would say that they can't be included. And it's very similar to kosher food, um, where with kosher food, um, non-kosher uh, subscribers can still eat kosher food, but those who only eat kosher food cannot eat the non-kosher food. And so if in a matter of, matter of survival, and this has happened in many Western democracies, is that kosher food will just be easier for companies to make because both kosher and non-kosher people can eat that food, Whereas if they make non-kosher food, only the non-kosher, um, uh, say, subscribers can have that food. And so there's a process of negation or con uh, negative consent, negative consent, um, positive non-consent, sorry. Okay, so let's have a look what people say. Do you think European culture added more to society or less? You say more. Well, it's, it's, here's the thing. That question assumes that everything that it added or subtracted is of equal value. So maybe they added, let's say they added a million good things and they added five bad things, but those five bad things might add up in terms of value, Dr. Sexy, to more than the million good things. Now, I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying that that's an extra variable. That's called weighted, a weighted average as opposed to a direct average. Psychological tool to reduce rights. Ah, the original revolution brought up a whole new factor here, a political factor, which I didn't even think of actually. Uh, and Michael Loud says people have lack of information in the non-Indigenous community. I would say that that makes more sense than people not caring because not caring, well, not having empathy for a certain sub-populace. I would say because I make the assumption that most people are not psychopaths, then it would be lack of information which would lead to lack of empathy as opposed to them knowing about it and then thinking, screw them. I don't, I don't see that as believable otherwise. It just doesn't make sense on a, on a human scale that that would be the case. It could be the case for a definitely a sizable minority. All right. So in, original revolution says that indigenous people's issues are being used as a psychological tool to reduce rights for all. That's also fascinating because how much of that is true, or even if it's 100% true, how many people are using it in that way as opposed to other people who really believe certain things about it and is the way to solve that problem to actually address the underlying issues to not allow sociopaths to take advantage of the contentious issues within our nation. That's something that you could talk about. Many groups do that already. Yeah, that's true. Why celebrate a day when people invaded other people land by force? We should mourn. Um, I can't argue with that. It just like that on its own, that question without any other factors makes sense. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm convinced by the way, but there are clearly many, many, many variables. Um, as we said in the first article we read, Australia Day to AustraliaDay.org is not about the actual invasion. It's about the idea of Australia, and it was born with an ugly birth, as, as is my understanding of what they wrote. But it's all included. We have to remember the good and the bad. Uh, and that's as opposed to just forgetting history. So that's an argument I can imagine could be made as well for the other way. Uh, St. Patrick's Day and Puerto Rico Day, Columbus Day. Interesting. Science. Uh, yes, so there is a strong narrative amongst the defenders of Australia Day that the opposition, you have empathy and you want progress, cool. And we have to decide what progress is as opposed to just moving in one direction. We have to know if that's the correct direction. It comes back to the, or at least not the wrong direction, it comes back to Confederate statues, want it gone altogether, interesting. Um, stirring the pot benefits controlling powers. That's also true. It benefits what's Australia Day. It's the day that Australia celebrates. <laughs> um, is a hostile place to live in. Uh, it depends. If you read my book, you will see that it was quite hostile for, for myself. Uh, but 
once again, that you don't blame the whole country for that. Um, it, it's also depending on who you are and how you are and how you come across, etc. Uh, okay, stirring the pot benefits controlling powers. It benefits controlling powers if we as people allow ourselves to become unbelievably emotional and not discuss this scientifically as human beings and try to be very calm. And that's exactly why I said I would one day talk about my home country's politics because I felt that if I keep doing that about America and asking Americans to remain calm, there is no way I can say that with authority until I do that with my own country here in Australia. And so hopefully this will be the first of many where we talk about Australian issues. Um, what are they celebrating? Uh, you'll have to watch the replay or um, if I expel you from your house, there is no good or bad. All right, so I'm going to respond to clown here. If I expel you from your house, there is no good or bad. All right, I'm going to talk about this from my personal perspective from Lebanon. Now, Lebanon, of course, was partially Arabized and there's, a, there's an ongoing fight between Arabs and non-Arabs in Lebanon to maintain either Lebanon being part of the Arab world or part of the European world. And it has slowly been shifting towards the Arab part. And native, what I call native Lebanese, uh, and not all natives, but the natives who were not Islamized, especially, and not even all the Christian ones, but a large group of the Christians, the Maronites, are extremely against that idea and they do their best to maintain their original language they speak french english they try to not speak arabic they do their best to not get arabic tattoos so i'm one of the few who has arabic tattoos <laughs> and in their religious rites they still use ancient aramaic the aramaic of the time of jesus or the galilean aramaic and so from that perspective i'm deliberately framing it that way because now my emotions will kick in because I'm now taking the side of a native Australian, I guess, in a way I can understand it better if I frame it from that perspective. Now, do I despise the fact that the Arabs sort of came in and did what they did? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. But I say that in a way that I don't know what was wrong with my society, which allowed the Arabs to come in and did what they did if there was anything wrong. And I don't know who else would have come in if it wasn't the Arabs who came in. So without knowing those, I know that my answer is more emotional than logical. So to come back to Australia, many indigenous Australians were, let's, let's say, kicked out of their house. And then Australians came in and built this monster of a society which has many positives, but of course, many negatives. And we're very self-critical. The question is, if someone else came in, would it be worse or not? Is there a, and that's not even the, the main question. The main question is, is there an alternate reality where no one came to Australia and it remained native? And then we take it even further back and say, when the natives arrived here between 65 and 165,000 years ago, were they taking it from the natural flora and fauna that was here that predated them? Now, I know I'm being ridiculously scientific and non-emotional in that topic, but I'm asking as if I'm not a human. I'm asking like an alien, just trying to think of it in a scientific way. 
I have no idea what the answers are. I'm just thinking of the questions right now. So let's see what people say. Yellow vests in France are being killed by Macron. Interesting. European invention gives us an even playing field. Yeah, winners rewrite history. We know that. True. Indigenous peoples were never unified. We can regret the poor treatment, but there is no theft. Okay. That's an interesting point. So Brett Harris says there was no theft. Um, and he also says the indigenous peoples were never unified. I'd love to see what... Um, okay, Michael Loud will be scoping, guys. Make sure you follow Michael Loud as well. Uh, he's a hilarious uh, uh, scoper. He does a lot of gardening and, and, and he has a very, very good knowledge of, uh, of Australia uh, that, um, like from my perspective, he has a huge and immense amount of knowledge. I, yeah, I'm talking from a point of ignorance, of course. So someone just says, Jufa Palestine says, I am the most rational person you know on the left. You got to meet more people on the left, brother. But thank you for the compliment. Moving to Antarctica, yeah, with global, if, if the world uh, warms up a bit, then why not? Uh, Austria, Australia is much more recent. No, Australia and America were about the same time. I think America was 1776 was the revolution, right? Uh, and the independence was won on July 4th. Is that right? In Australia was 1788 when we were colonized. But the American colonies under the British rule were earlier than 1776, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm an alien, but no one believes you. Okay. Uh, they were the native indigenous. I don't want to offend people, but Australians are basically English colonies. Um, they were English colonies and many of them were slaves who were non-Anglo-Saxons. So many Celtic people, many Celtic, uh, I think Scottish, but I think more Irish. And they, were, they banned a lot of um, Catholics from practicing Catholicism, I think, in the beginning. Um, colonization has been justified in various ways, sadly. It's hard to say. I mean, obviously, we can't justify it morally. But what we know now, most of us would never even think of doing that. And that, to me, suggests that had our ancestors and the European ancestors or whatever known what we know, they also wouldn't have done it. That's my thinking. Um, it doesn't mean that what they did was not horrific. It's obviously, in hindsight, it's absolutely horrendous. And I think we judge them in the same way that we'll be judged in a thousand years that we're eating meat and burning coal and all these other things. Um, it sounds like I'm explaining it away, which is not true. Uh, for me, colonization is a terrible thing at the end of the day. But Australians are basically in these cons. So basically, the, the, the act of colonization in itself abrogates any positive of the country existing for some people. I can see clown... Clown's argument consistent with that. Um, I can't argue with that because that's an axiomatic presupposition. That's basically a moral injunction that someone might say. They would say morally colonization is blasphemous. It's a sin. And it, the only way to fix it is to completely reverse it. Um, that's a point of view. I, I, I don't know enough to argue against it. Yeah, uh, we all have European roots. Um, not all of us. <laughs> Europeans, for the most part, have Middle Eastern roots, <laughs> especially Anatolia, Turkey. Um, New Zealand has its treaty. It's about time we had a treaty. So New Zealand has a treaty. I don't know about this treaty. Uh, a treaty sounds great from my lack of knowledge on this topic. You are well educated. That alone must be credited to the Australian education you got. Thank you very much. It's fascinating you say that. My life changed, believe it or not. I was, I was a failure at school. I was a failure at school and my knowledge came from outside of school. I was maligned quite viciously by both students and teachers at school. So Australian education didn't do much for me. I would bury myself in books from the age of three and read the Sacred World Book Encyclopedia by age of 10. So my knowledge comes from outside of school 
and the school system in Lebanon is infinitely better. Um, and I only say that because every single one of my cousins, the majority of whom are still in Lebanon, um, are way, way, way more educated than myself. But, but in Australia, I've been very lucky, very lucky to have lived in a very eclectic society um, and a very open and secular society. And that, I think, has afforded me the opportunity to study many topics that I would not have studied in Lebanon with an, more of an objective flavor. And yes, now the question then is, the question then is, Australia made me who I am. Okay, does that mean that that justifies the colonization? Now, the, 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 there's no, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think that it's what people believe. Now, my personal belief is I, I actually don't think it is, I, but it's, it's hard to say. All I can say is that I will dedicate my life to trying to make myself and everyone around me better or share more knowledge so that we can all become better people if possible. And that's the best I can do in a, in a personal situation. It's not only about moral international treaty forbid colonization. Yeah, they do now. Now, after, after, after the place of being colonized, okay, my bad, I'm wrong. No, no, no. Like it could, like, even though the schooling system in Australia for me was a joke, um, I, and I went to a, to a very, like a mediumly or moderately expensive private school. So I was quite lucky. We grew up very underprivileged. And then as my mother worked her ass off and my father, of course, but you know, my mother was a, had the strength of a hundred bulls, <laughs> became unbelievably successful. And so, yes, we owe that to the current Australian idea as opposed to the land. It's more the idea. Uh, but that came at a price. That price was blood as, as, I, I'm, as I'm starting to learn. We are in 2019. We still can't agree the forced invasion. We can't agree because we don't have a collective moral framework. And that's a problem. I, I would say that's definitely a problem. And that, that was pro prophesized by the geniuses of the 19th century who stated that without once Christianity collapsed, which it would because we got to see with more observation that the original version of Christianity clearly wasn't working. And, and that's not about Christians today. It's about the original literal version of it, assuming that the book was somehow um, revelatory literally that was going to collapse and as soon as it collapsed we would be left without a universal moral framework and without that moral framework other moral frameworks arise and so we get religious thinking outside of organized religion such as communism uh, radical stalinism uh, maoism uh, what else uh, moral injunctions that we are now applying without a religion like we should change the date. If you, if you see or hear someone say, we should change the date or we should remove the statues or we should, to me, that's, that's, well, that is by definition a moral injunction. And so you are stating with authority a moral imperative. And then the question is, where does that morality come from? Now, I think that we can build that morality via something called mutual exclusivity until we come down to something that is a intersection of a of a, say, let's say a moral consensus. And that would be the first step. And then we test it against reality and see if we move along better or not. That would be a scientific way of building an, a relatively objective morality. But we haven't even had that discussion as human beings. All right, so it's not right. I am gonna agree with you that it's not right, but I can't prove it. I can just, it just feels wrong. I guess that's the best way to say it. And the winner wins the prize at suppression, rape, invasion. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I have a very high IQ. You are too kind. Thank you. Um, changing the day for me is not the subject, but Indian native are treated like second or third class citizens in America. Define that statement. Which one? Which statement do I have to define? Sorry, there's a bit of a delay. 
Um, they are not even treated with dignity. I don't know enough about that, but from what I've heard, that, that sounds quite barbaric. Um, so it's very sad. Tower of Babel morally. Yes! All right. Um, the line of the scope. Original Revolution says Tower of Babel morally. Um, contradictions. Gab! Hey, contradictions! All right. Let's see what contradictions are saying. Not everything is subjective and moral in your opinion. Facts are not mutual. Um, when you say not everything is moral, by saying that it's your opinion, it is also subjective. Now, what we want is is to let's assume let's assume that clown is right that clown says that you know not everything is subjective there's stuff that's objective now the problem is if most people or enough people don't agree with you then it doesn't even matter if it's objective the problem is how do we get all of us to get to that point where we can work within a framework uh, so i'm looking more at the pragmatic side as opposed to the moral injunction um in terms of the abstract idea of a moral injunction. I'm thinking, how do we take that idea and apply it so that we can pragmatically move forward in one direction, um, or at least not in infinite amount of directions in and with. First people are not allowed to be poor. All right, indigenous are the victims. There is not consensus. I'm gonna say that indigenous peoples around the worlds, the ones that have survived are by definition well, in many cases are by definition victims, yes, because they were colonized. And, and my family was part of that, obviously, and, uh, and not to the same degree as others, of course not. And it's not a, it's not a com competition, but there is some empathy there. I understand that. I think a lot of people might understand that, but there's, there's a fear of what comes with that. Now, original revolution said before something I didn't even think of, which was that that type of moral injunction could be used to divide a country via political leaders. That is a legitimate fear. And it seems to me that we, if we say that it's morally wrong, which I'm, I'm, I'm like 95% confident on that. And as a scientist, that's like 100% for a regular non-scientist. I would suggest that every time I say I think it's morally wrong, I am going to add, but... I understand that it could be misused for the agenda of certain people in political power to divide the country. And that way I'm acknowledging what original revolution said, even though I'm acknowledging the other, not the other side, but another issue which needs to be dealt with without giving people fear that by dealing with that, it will fracture the country, the culture, the language, the borders, etc. That's That's one way I think we can tie ourselves in to not, killing each other over these type of contentious issues. All right, so contradictions says are there. Um, that would be religion. Okay, so we agree it's not subjective then. Um, well, it's subjective. It's sub it depends. If someone doesn't agree with us, then it'll be called subjective to them. But for you and I, it's objective. But that's the problem with objectivity. It's, 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 uh, um, sorry, I just got a phone call from someone. Uh, it is relative to the people making the observation. Uh, and this is unfortunately true. It doesn't matter. It's impossible to find something absolutely objective because to find something absolutely objective, it would have to exist outside of the measurer. But if the measurer has no other point of reference, you will never know if that is the most objective that you can get. And so what you have is an infinite expanding tautology of uh, searching or confirmation of objectivity or attempting to confirm objectivity. It's a massive problem. 
as well. Can I explain something to you? It's fact. Uh, it's a conclusion from facts. That's that's the issue. It's a conclusion that they're the victims. Then you have to say, why are they the victims? Because they were there and then another group of human beings came in and now they're not there. And then that's how you would derive that conclusion from the facts, for example. All right. So the Jew were disposed in Germany um, and, and now, they're, and now they're dis they were dispossessed in Germany and now they've gone back to Israel. Also a problem because, of course, the Palestinians who were also Israelis 2000 years ago who just hadn't left or were not exiled because they might have had a slightly different religion. They didn't have the nationalistic version of Judaism. They remained. Many of them converted to Christianity and then Islam, but they're still descendants of Abraham. Uh, and now they also have a problem there too, even though Israel, this is another problem. Israel is similar. And I don't want to, I, I don't want to get sidetracked. I won't get sidetracked today. Um, I want to say, I love all my Israeli brothers and sisters uh, that I know and my Palestinian family that I have. Why do countries such as Africa, India, and China have huge populations? Um, I've heard many different arguments for that. One of them is that they stop eating their young, uh, <laughs> much earlier on. I, I, I heard that from a random guy when I was 17. So I have no idea if that's true, uh, uh 19 or 18, sorry. That's a true science of real Semitic people, neither is Australia. All right, so now we're going to move to, I'm going to pause chats for a sec. And this will be the last thing that we're going to look at today. All right, this is One Nation. One Nation is highly a highly contentious movement in Australia. It invokes a huge amount of passion. It is a, I guess, objectively speaking, a, a right-leaning movement, a nationalistic movement movement. Um, some people call it far right. Some people call it not far right. Some people call it patriots, uh, you know, a pro nation, pro the Australian idea and the Australian people. I'm not, obviously I'm have a left leaning bias, but I want, and you need to know that. Um, but I will read this as objectively as I possibly can. Um, and just remember that I'm adding even, even unconsciously with my voice, I might be adding some left leaning skew on what I'm reading. So keep that in mind when I read this. All right, Gabriel, we've got something that's going straight, to go straight to your pool room. I don't know what that means. Um, One Nation bar runners. Our shop manager saw them and couldn't resist. Oh, okay. Okay, they're selling me something. Okay, Mark Latham, who used to be in the Labour Party, which is sort of the analogous to the Democrat Party in the US. It's a left-leaning worker rights party. He, he left that party. And I think he was prime minister or be prime minister elect or going to become prime minister. Michael Loud will know this. And he is now part of one nation. So he's gone all the way to the right and he's leading the charge to hashtag save Australia day. Have a look at that. Where is it? Hashtag save Australia day. For those who are listening on the podcast, it's by Pauline Hanson. Now let's have a look. One of the strange things about politics today is the attempt by left-wing activists to demonize nationalism. For normal people, uh, loving one's country is a natural feeling. It gives them a sense of belonging, the comfort of having a clear national identity. Most Australians are proud of our country's achievements. For many decades, this was the unifying purpose of Australia Day, celebrating the greatness of our nation and the Western civilization that arrived here on the 26th of January, 1788. Isn't that interesting? Now, there's no moral judgment at all on that point. But it's very interesting that we spoke about the British colonizing on that date. But here it says Western civilization arriving here on that date. 
Now, obviously, I'm not saying one is more true than the other. You obviously know my personal bias. But the point is, speaking from a scientific perspective, if I'm some alien visiting the planet and reading that, I'm just acknowledging that it's a very, very different, starkly different description of the same event. And that's what I mean about conclusions and narratives. At the beginning, we spoke about narratives, if you remember. All right. We know Australia is a wonderful place because so many people want to come here, often by any means possible. This is fascinating because there is actually some truth in this. Now, I'm not, I'm not, not about the conclusion, but the evidence they're using to reach their conclusion, some of it is actually true. The evidence, but not the conclusion. Okay. Be very careful. There's a difference between evidence and conclusion, but most humans don't know the difference, as we talk about all the time on Gapsmate. So it's very easy to persuade people to believe in a specific conclusion if you show them evidence that is actually true. So is it true that people try to come here? Yes. Right. Does that mean that our nation is, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, is wonderful? No. No, it means that people believe it is wonderful. Okay. So to all my right wing brothers and sisters, and I'm, I'm so proud of myself for saying, staying so calm talking about this in my own country. For the first time, guys, I've stayed completely calm, 95%. People wanting to come here by any means possible does not mean Australia is wonderful. It could be, but it means that people believe it is wonderful enough compared to where they're coming from. That's what it means. Okay, so just keep that in mind. All right. Want to show your support for keeping Australia Day on the 26th? Add Save Australia Day to your Facebook profile picture. Next, they talk about water. This is where this is the interesting part of this right wing group. And I'm going to I'm absolutely going to give them credit for using points that are very contentious and very many people believe in specific points. But then what they do and this is I don't I don't mean to See, that was a left-wing statement to make what they do. I don't know their intent, okay? So I'm, let's try and be more scientific. What happens is that you're, you're, you're presented as a, as a member of society with an option to get what you want, but the price that you pay is that you have to join a party as opposed to just getting what you want, okay? Now, what you want, okay, I'm going to talk about specific things now, and I will look at chats in, in about two minutes, guys. Okay, this is Pauline Hansen. Water infrastructure is a one nation commitment. Okay, now this is, this is actually important. Water infrastructure is important and it should not be owned by one political party. So let's look. As Pauline Hansen, home state of Queensland, is now 58% drought declared, it is her goal to have the Liberals or Labour, which are the two major parties, the Liberals, this is confusing. In Australia, the Liberals are analogous to the Republicans or the MAGA style. No. They're, they're, they're socially liberal, fiscally conservative, and Labour is sort of the Democrat working party. Okay, so keep that in mind. It's liberal means um, Republican, I guess, in, in Australia. All right. So, and it's not the same completely, but it's analogous to that. Okay. They, Australian voters, a commitment to build a hybrid of the Bradfield scheme and drought proof Australia. That is a freaking brilliant move by. Pauline Hansen. Now, some people are going to hear me and go, oh my God, he supports Pauline Hansen. No, I don't support Pauline Hansen. My point is that she's using a very powerful point, and it would be good if the rest of Australia could take this point away, because that will get votes. $40,000 a week is spent by farmers, apparently, in Queensland, the Queensland state, in trucking water to their crops. 
All right, I won't even talk about that. We, next, we need to stop Bill Shorten, who's the running for the Democrat opposition uh, or the Labor opposition, committing to double our foreign aid budget. And we must stop Scott Morrison, who's the current prime minister uh, of the analogously Republican or Liberal Party, uh, from committing further corporate tax cuts to foreign multinationals. Instead, let's use that money to build water infrastructure that will ensure the Murray-Darling is always full, which was a very famous river, Full farmers have ample water to grow crops all year round and towns are never forced to go on water restrictions again. Holy shit, that is some persuasion right there, ladies and gentlemen. She's using visual, visual images, visual images constantly, constantly hitting people because they go to the sink and they know they can't get water or they can't water their garden, they can't flush the toilet. Holy crap, that's, that's a nuclear bomb right there of persuasion. Where is the long-term strategy from Labour and the Liberals? Where is some genuine leadership in this country from these two parties that no longer exists? That's where you now get the political spiel underneath. For God's sake, don't settle for their pork barreling this election. I don't know what that means. Make the sensible decision to give your vote to one nation. All right, so there you go, guy. guys. That's all of our stuff we'll read today. Now let's have a look at people's comments. Neither is Australia. China is an enormous country with lots of water. Interesting. All the same. One nation is popular with white nationalists. <laughs> Possible skew. Check. Not a fan. Uh, interesting. A reference to the castle. Uh, he was um, he was opposition leader trying to become prime minister. Yeah. Um, why do you think people turn to the right? Um, that's a good question. Truth Hurts asked probably 20 minutes ago, why do you think people turn to the right? I think it's a combination of temperament and personal issues which are not getting addressed by the majority. That's my very, very, very short, truncated and inaccurate answer to a very good question because there are so many comments to go. Latham was leader of the Labour Party in 2003 against John Howard. Yes, this idea of national identity is propaganda. Interesting. Uh, that's you. Have you ever heard Aussies go off on pommies? I don't think I have. Um, they are abused by Marxists who use made up words to discriminate against them. It's factually wrong because they say nationalism is one loving his country. It's patriotism. Nationalism is not that. That's also interesting too. There's a different definition of nationalism, which is trying to get put through by Pauline Hanson, good or bad. Uh, that's an interesting point that Clown picked up that I did not. If indigenous people were nationalistic and allied, perhaps they would not have been colonized. Um, we underestimate the power of disease. And the it only takes about 10,000 years of separation. Am I a scientist? Yes, I am. It only takes about 10,000 years of separation for humans' immune systems to be so different that one community of humans can be subjected to disastrous um, and ravaging diseases that they would have otherwise remained immune from. And so when, the, when you know, as we know, the vast majority, at least of the Native Americans, were killed by not having the appropriate immune systems and uh, that uh, that could not cater for the diseases that were being brought over by the colonialists. And you can't fight against that. That's very it's very sad. But if an alien came in and somehow it being around caused all of us to radically get cancer and die, I mean, you know, heaven forbid, right? But you can't really fight against that, can you? It's it's very sad. Um, well done. Thank you, Trufe. They say Western civilization has come to Australia, but how Western civilization came to Australia? Ah, all right. I think Clown gets one of the best points. 
Gab was looking for a First Nation. Hey, Itambuka! Is he First Nation? I don't even know what First Nations means. <laughs> I thought Itambuka is from Papua New Guinea. I'm so confused. I'm sorry, but still, it's still indigenous, I guess. Um, all right, so it might mean the country they left is dangerous. Yes, sorry, Angel, uh, in terms of uh, people wanting to come to Australia, it means that their country is dangerous. Yeah, that's right. So Clown brings up a point. Western civilization was brought here, which is what the Nationalist Party brought up, but it didn't bring the method via which it came. Interesting point. I love that point because I didn't even bloody think of it. That's a very good point. This is one of the beauties of Periscope. People say stuff that I would not have even thought of. I love that. All right. It's not right, Gab. It's far right. <laughs> You're proud of me? Thank you, Truth Hurts. Uh, group think. Uh, it's far right. Well, the problem, see, I didn't say far right because that would show my bias. Obviously, from my perspective, I'm a member, not a member, but I normally vote for the green or the party or the marijuana or sex party. I do it half in jest, but yes, my bias means that that party would look very far right to me. But in terms of most Australians, if I'm talking to most Australians, I don't know if most Australians would agree on how far the far right is. And I don't want to label something that not everyone agrees on if it's contentious, um, at least not in this scope at the moment, uh, because it, it, it actually reduces the effectivity of my message, because then I just sound more like a left leaning biased person, which I, I I'm openly say that I am, but I am conscious of that. So I try to modify my speech to be honest about the bias and show that I'm doing my best to try to be less subjective slightly less if I can. Um, all right. So does One Nation, by the way. Interesting. I would be a liberal in Australia. Who knew? <laughs> that's right. Maggas in the US would be liberals in Australia. That's quite funny. Uh, that's what happens down under. Everything's reversed. Pauline Hanson also thinks we need more coal-fired power stations. Interesting. I'd love to see her argue. I say interesting a lot. I've got to find a new word. Um, I would be fascinated to understand her argument as to why that is the case. Because I am starting to think after reading that thing about Pauline Hansen, that there is some sort of adverse effect that's happening to Australian farmers or Australian people who can't afford power or something like that. The liberals doesn't mean anything. Why not naming specific people? There is a problem with labels in that it has a benefit, which is it makes co uh, uh, communication simpler, but it's also less accurate. So that's the trade off with labels. I actually did a scope on that a year ago. Original Revolution says he doesn't think nationalism means a positive belief in the nation's current condition. Interesting. So it could be an idea of what the nation should be. Michael Out says pork barrel. So this is what I mean. I have lived in Australia my whole life virtually, and I didn't even understand the term pork barrel used in reference to the utilization of government funds for projects designed to plea, please voters or legislators and win votes. Interesting. Okay. Australia could be all solar if all energy subsidies were abolished. I don't know if that's true or not. Obviously, I don't know enough about it, but I personally am in love with the fact that if we could switch to solar. I did read a statistic 10 years ago that the amount of UV radiation or, or sunlight, sorry, sunlight that falls on Australia is enough to power Europe for a year. But, you know, that's one of those stats where you don't know what the conversion rate, the cost rate, the distribution of that power to Europe. You don't actually know. Is spending local politicians' favorite projects, bloated budgets, gotcha. Uh, okay, we tried all these liberal causes and they did not work. Well, it could be a problem with impl implementation of a good idea. That could also be a problem, yeah. 90% uh, of indigenous peoples uh, were destroyed by disease, apparently, in Brett Harris says. So that sounds right, because that's what happened in the US, so I would agree with that. Culture must be 
in the discussion. That culture, yes, I would agree. A very population in the area were killed off by disease in a couple of years. Disease set the stage, yeah. So, g'day, g'day, g'day. Uh, oh, all right, I gotta go, everybody, unfortunately. One nation is not far right economically. Okay, MAGA would be one nation, then LMP, South Australian Jews. All right, guys, I'm gonna love you and leave you. So, don't forget, this is a, also a podcast at anchor.fm forward slash gabsmacked. And it was a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much. I learned so much about this topic. And we have to celebrate our Australia Day. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> um, our Australia Day is the first ever scope I did about my home country without getting triggered. So I want to thank you all for being witness to that. And thank you so much for joining me and for putting all these brilliant comments. And thank you to my beloved patrons. Without you, I wouldn't be here. And don't forget, you're welcome to everybody. <laughs> Take life one smack at a time. Ciao, ciao. All right, our Anchor FM podcast. Let's say bye to you guys. And it was a pleasure. Until next time. Ciao, ciao.